Thanks for tuning in to the A Champion's Mind podcast. I'm your host, Mario Ariave, and today I've got special guest Seth Pelusi, who was a former professional cyclist. Seth, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yes, thank you for inviting me. Cool. Well, let's just let's jump right into it, Seth. Uh, like I said, former professional cyclist. Uh, how did you how did you get started? How did I get started? Well, um, I started cycling when I was 13, and then um, I, was, I was riding with my father and some of his friends. They were they were they were cyclists, and uh, his friends actually got me into racing once. Uh, once I started to get a little bit faster. So I started racing at 14 and then just kind of built myself up. I, I started, uh, you know, doing the, the local Texas scene and then, and then, uh, did well in the national championships as a junior and went through the, the national team program, which was really helpful for me. And then, um, and then turned pro after that. Cool. Well, that's a, that's a, that's that's really quick, right? Let's kind of tease that out a little bit. So you you got into cycling at 13. Were you doing anything before that? Like, were you involved in other sports and and active, you know, outside and doing that kind of stuff? And then you just kind of came across cycling just because your dad was doing it, and he said, "Hey, here's a group ride. Let's go do this." And you had fun, or was it more of like, "Oh, you know, I want to join you guys," and it was kind of what you wanted to do? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. I didn't do anything special before I started cycling. You know, I played I played soccer as a kid. Um, before we moved, before we lived in Texas, we lived in uh, Chicago, and I had friends out there that were, uh, you know, we we, we we were skaters and we rode skateboards, and um, and so I didn't really have any any sport that I was really into before cycling. Okay. So yeah, I. To tell you the truth, I'm not really sure why I started riding with my dad. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> it just kind of happened that way. It just kind of happened. It was, it was. Uh, I, I went for a ride with him once, and I, I, I enjoyed it. And so then, you know, just kept on coming back. Um, and then, yeah, I saw it kind of as a challenge, and then, uh, and just took it on. Gotcha. Let me add. This is this is interesting. I, n- I never had somebody who came from a skateboarding background, right? Like, so as you got into cycling, did you do you feel like you already had a little bit of a tolerance tolerance for for the like once you started maybe racing and getting more serious, you know, and you're riding in a pack and you know guys are close to you and there's contact and all that kind of stuff. Do you feel like you had a little bit of a grasp on that already because of the skateboarding? Because, I mean, skateboarding is, you know, there's there's risk and reward there. You know, you go to do a trick or you go to ride a rail or something, and sometimes you make it. And, I mean, we've all been on YouTube. Sometimes there's a lot of videos out there where you don't, you know. Um, so do you feel like that kind of helped you with once you got into cycling, kind of having a little bit of a grasp on that? Mm, that's a good view. But for me, no. For me, no. Um Yes, skateboarding back then was a little bit different than it is now. Uh, like my son, one of my sons is in skateboarding right now, and it's amazing the, the, the tricks he'll do. Um, but you know, we in Chicago, we just pretty much built ramps and jumped off them, and and then rode in the downtown area where it said no skateboarding. <laughs> there you go. That's that's a typical story, right? You know, they put those signs up, and uh, if, if they put the sign up, then that's a challenge. Like, okay, that's exactly where I'm going to skate because you just told me not to, you know? 
because that's where the cool stuff's at, where they put the signs, you know, like, how could you put a sign there? That's so cool uh, <laughs> to skate on, right? But uh, tell me this, Seth, like, okay, so you get in at 13, you said you start racing at 14, so, you know, you said as you got faster, so it sounds like the, the curve in terms of your improvement was was going up, like your trajectory was going up pretty quick, like, when was it that you, you know, you said you did some work with the national team and that was really helpful. Like when, when was it that you began to realize, man, I'm actually, I've, I'm, I'm, I've actually got a knack for this stuff. I'm actually pretty quick. Um, when did you start realizing, man, maybe this is something I want to take more seriously. Uh, and I, and I want to, I want to run with this as far as I can. Yeah, it was this, my second year of racing. Uh, so the first year when I was 14, well, I was 14, but my racing age was 15. My, I've got a November birthday. Uh, the first year, I mean, I did okay for a first year junior, I guess. You know, I didn't didn't win anything. Uh, but the second year, it, it was amazing that the, the difference when I came back. So it, that's when I started winning a lot of races. And so that that's actually when I said, yeah, I might have something here. Let's run with it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And uh, so, you know, you you were a pro, you know, quite a while ago. You talk about racing in Texas. There's a lot of folks that that uh, that race in Texas that listen to this podcast that are cyclists. So talk to us a little bit about like I read a I read an article uh, with you that talked about you, you talked about you specifically said, well, the racing scene in Texas is not what it used to be. Right. So tell us. And, and I know that there were glory days back in Texas when there were all these really cool races. Like what was racing like in Texas back then? I think there might have just been more more cyclists and maybe a few more races in the DFW area. Um, and yeah, but more cyclists where I was living um, when I was a junior, I was there were juniors all over the place i was training with there was there was just more riders everywhere um you're still risking risking your life when you go out and ride on the road like you are now but uh yeah I, I, from what i've seen in the in the early 90s and now from when uh you know when, when i started yeah it's just a little bit a little bit different um, um now i don't know if there's less racing because uh, you know now you've got uh three or four races during the week you can do if you want to you know even there's not a, not anything on the weekend in the in the local area so um it actually might be just as good as it was uh back then um yeah i i don't know so you think there's a little bit of a yeah like you're talking about and i know i've been racing here in texas for a while uh and i think i can echo your sentiments like there was more of a buildup to the weekend stuff because there wasn't anything during the week. Is that kind of what you're saying? Like there was more of a, Oh, Saturday and Sunday are the thing. And now it's more like, Oh, if you can do it on a Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday, then the weekends aren't the thing anymore. They are for some people, but not for, for a lot of people. Is that kind of the, the kind of point, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Cause, um, I mean, there's still a bunch of races in Texas. Uh, most of them are down near Austin is what I'm noticing. Um, a, a lot of the same ones that were from the from the 90s, um, but yeah, I think there's a little bit you know less uh, less racing up up in the DFW area. Um, and now in the 90s, there was the Tuesday night Criterium, and I did, I did that one re- religiously. Yeah, so I, I, there has been a shift, and I've heard I haven't been around long enough to know that the the D, DFW used to be the power 
the power center, right? Like the hub. Um, I mean, obviously guys like yourself and some of the other guys that have, that have been mentioned, uh, just like, you know, the old guard, like you guys were the faster riders in Texas and you guys lived up this way. I'm saying up this way because I'm in, I'm in Waxahachie, which is just South of Dallas. Um, but here lately, yeah, there has been a shift down to Austin. And so the demographic of the racing has, has changed a little bit in terms of where the events are and when they are. Um, and, uh, but anyhow, yeah, not, not to spend too much time on that. So, so you're, you're coming through, um, and you're going, Hey, I think I've got something here. And you said it was your second, you know, you're racing. So we're talking now, you know, you're, you're 15, right? Uh, when was it that you did your stint with the, with the national team? When was it that they kind of said, Hey, you know what? There's this kid out here and, uh, we want to bring him on here and, and, and see what he's got. When did, when did that happen? Uh, let's see. So that was, um, I guess that was my second year racing. No, it was my third year racing. It was my third year racing. I, I went to the, the junior national championships and, uh, the, the, the coaches said, if you finish in the, uh, top five, you can go to worlds or, or what, or what was it? Um, no, no. If you win the race, you can go to Worlds, and um, if you finish in the top five, you can be selected for the Worlds. Um, and so I, uh, I, I went there and I got fourth. And um, and so I spoke with Chris Carmichael, and he he said, well, the the Worlds team is is done for this year, but uh, we'll put you on the national team, and you can go next year. And so that's what I did. And so that's when I started with the U.S. national team. That sounds like a pretty big pretty big deal right like you know you you get there you're going to you know junior nationals and it's like all of a sudden i mean they're talking worlds you know uh you're talking about being on the national champ you know the the national team like that seems like a big deal like were you going into that national championship like were you expecting some kind of a result like that like were you thinking yeah i'm on the radar i mean this is a reality did you even know that they were going to come and have that kind of a conversation with you did you know that that was the expectation or were you still green to the point where you're just showing up to races and hey nationals is on the calendar so let's go do it and you had no idea kind of what was at stake i guess uh in terms of like how you did at that race well that was the goal that was the goal for me um I, you know i wanted to go to worlds that year and uh, that's how i wanted to do it because i wasn't on the national team going into it um and then uh i, I mean i i kind of raced stupidly because of that though because i right when the race started I, I i took off with a couple of track guys and pulled them around for a couple laps and then got caught by the real break and then uh finished with them but uh i you know i probably could have done a little bit better if i would have saved saved some energy in the peloton before before taking off yeah well <laughs> be ra racing with your peers like i know that that's you know when we're when we're younger you know that's one of the that's one of the things is like man these kids won't stop attacking right like just the younger riders just you know they feel like they can go forever and they feel like they have en endless energy right um and so uh teaching patience you know to to some of the younger riders uh is is a difficult thing to do because they are nimble and they do have a lot of energy and they do recover quickly and so a lot of times they have this mindset that like, I'm just going to go and go and go and go and go. Um, I guess the problem, you know, is that if you're racing other people your age that have that same, you know, recovery and have that same energy level, then if you're not patient, you might pay for it double. Um, so I, I want to tap into this a little bit because I think this is important. So we're, I mean, I mean, we're talking about your young career 
you know, you're, you're young, man. You're, you're 13, 14, 15 years old. Um, in terms of mindset, how, how, how did you find it difficult to like stay focused and make this your thing? You know, um, like, was it, were, were you having to say no to other things that normal kids were doing that you couldn't do because you were trying to achieve, you know, a certain level in cycling? And if you did, did that, I'm not going to say it messed with you, but were you kind of looking over your shoulder going, man, you know, that's cool. They get to stay out late at the movies and I don't because I've got to get up early for a race the next morning or kind of talk a little bit about, you know, for anybody that might be listening that's young or for anybody that might be listening that's a parent that has kids uh, that are trying to do these kinds of things. Like what was the, what was the mindset there? How did that kind of play, play out in your particular story? Yeah. Um, a lot of people talk to me about that too, but I, I mean, I didn't have any regrets at all. I mean, it does take a lot of, uh, a lot of self-discipline to, to, you know, to, to train all the time, you know, to train how, you, how you're supposed to train, um, do what you need to do in the races. Um, but I mean, I didn't have, I mean, <laughs> like in high school, for example, I mean, I, I had a few friends, but I didn't have, you know, a, a a whole bunch of party friends and everything. And then I actually moved when I was, uh, 16, 16, I actually, I actually moved to Colorado Springs to the Olympic training center there. And then, um, fi- finished high school, um, at a distance. Um, so, I mean, and then I was, you know, I was, I was with the guys that had the same motivation that I did too. So, um, yeah, I didn't have any, I didn't have any problems there at all with, with, um, with not being able to go out with the, you know, the friends that I hang out with. Yeah. So the support system was there, right? It sounds like the motivation to move out to Colorado Springs was, Hey, I'm going to be at the Olympic training center. Like everybody that's coming in here is looking to do the same things. And so therefore, you know, we won't be influenced by, uh, you know, cause it's true. I mean, you know, I, I've heard it said that, you know, you, you're, you know, you're going to resemble the five people that you hang around the most with, right? So if like the five people you hang around the most with are other riders at the Olympic training center looking to make the world's team, then we're going to be okay. Cause they're doing a lot of the same things that we're doing. Uh, but if we're not, then it's going to be a little bit difficult, but yeah. So, you know, that, that, I, I think this is what you get, right? I mean, you know, we'll talk about it, but you end up going on to be professional. You end up, you know, going over to Europe and doing some, some of the world's best races out there. And, um, you know, well, what I always like to, to tell juniors is, you know, um, and, and younger folks is it isn't for everybody, right? I mean, if everybody could be a professional cyclist and everybody would be like, raise your hand, who doesn't want to be, you know, who doesn't want to be fast and go do E3, right? Harold Becker, which you did, you know, like it's everybody wants to do that, right? But then there, there needs to be a certain work ethic that goes into there. There needs to be a certain amount of sacrifice that needs to go into there. And a lot of people embark on that journey. I mean, I've known a lot, I've known a lot of young folks that have wanted to be the professional cyclists and want to go race in Europe and want to go do all of these things. And some of the things that you've even been able to do, but there comes a point where they are looking over their shoulder and going, yeah, you know, I do want to do that, but man, this looks like it could be so much fun. And, and what I want to make sure that I communicate really clearly in this podcast is that is totally okay. If you have somebody telling you that, you know, you're running for this goal of being a professional cyclist and all of a sudden at some point, if you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? I don't think I want to do this. I think I just want to 
I mean, in quotes, I'm doing quotes here. I just want to be normal and I just want to hang out with my friends and I just want to have the girlfriend that I spend time with all the time and do those things. I don't think you should be guilt guilted into thinking that that's the wrong path for your life. Um, you know, because this isn't for everybody and being a professional in any kind of sport is a very elite thing that very few people get to do. But, you know, as we're hearing from you, those select few that get to do that, you're like, no, man, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, I was cool with, I was cool. I was, I was cool with doing the training. I was cool with doing whatever I needed to do to, to be a professional. Like it didn't really rub me the wrong way. I didn't really think to myself, oh man, I'm really sacrificing to do this. It was more like, let's do it. I mean, I'll just finish high school, you know, uh, you know, online or whatever. And and I'm just going to move to Colorado Springs. So it's just neat to see the mindset and how that plays out. Um, you know, between somebody who actually gives it a run and then succeeds and maybe somebody who never gave it a run. And then maybe the people, a lot of the people in the middle that give it a run, but then at some point they bow out and say, you know, this, this isn't me. I don't want this bad enough. And I think that's okay. I think unfortunately, you know, again, I'll get off my soapbox here, but I think unfortunately too many young people think to themselves, gosh, but I was so close to being pro and I didn't get there, man, I'm a huge failure. I'm a huge disappointment. And you're not, you're really not. You just, you gave it a run and that's not what you wanted to do with your life. And that's okay. And I think, you know, you don't need to feel bad about that, but anyhow, uh, I've been around long enough to see quite a bit of that. And it kind of, it kind of, kind of breaks my heart when I see that because, you know, these, these little people shouldn't be carrying that, that sense of guilt around, you know? Um, right. Yeah. Exactly. So, and yeah, but yeah, go it, ahead. It depends on depends on what the what the goals are. Um, I mean, is <laughs> is the goal to be professional, or is the goal to do things after being professional? Because I mean, I was I was professional, but I didn't really complete the goals that I was looking for, and so you know, it didn't you know, I doesn't feel like anything special to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's another valid point, right? Like there, there is going to be, and you know, you're living it right now. There is going to be a life after cycling, you know, like you're, you're going to be able to do that for, uh, in the span of how long you're going to be alive, a very small portion of your life. And then you're going to, you're going to move on and do something else. And, uh, you know, that's something else is going to make up the majority of your, of your life. Uh, when you look back on it, right? Like I guess let's add how long how long were you a professional for Seth like how many years how many seasons did you do in the pro peloton <laughs> three years there you go so I mean you 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 gave it you know uh you gave it three years and uh you know you're older than three years old so it's the majority of your life has been spent doing something other than pro cycling but cool experience so let's fast forward I mean you go national team. What, what, ha- well, let's let, what happened with that? So you got fourth and then they put you on the, the, you said they put you on the list to go to worlds the following year. Is that correct? Well, no, not, not exactly. They put me on the national team. Okay. Uh, so that they put me on the national, the junior national team in, let's see, that was uh, 1994. Um, yeah, so they put me on the national team there. And then, um, and so that's when, Let's see. Chris Carmichael was the uh, the DS there, and then, uh, but he brought in Roy Nickman. So then I was uh, I was under Roy Nickman's coaching um, in '94. Um, so then, yeah, we Roy Nickman took us to to Europe in the spring, and I went to 
the tour of Japan as well, and took us racing all over the place. And then we had uh, selections for Worlds. Um, so nothing was done until, you know, nothing was, was written in stone until we had the selections. Yeah, how did the selections shake out? It was it was great. It was great. We just um, he brought in a bunch of a uh, bunch of juniors from all the different regions all over the U.S. and and then um, so we just raced each other for a month <laughs> nonstop and then uh, and then he, he he decided who was going to be on the world's team. And did did you get the green light or not? I got the green light. Awesome. So okay, so this is '94. Where was Worlds? It was in Ecuador, Quito, Ecuador. Ooh, okay. And how was how was the experience out there? I, it was it was good. It was good. I, you know, I can't complain. Um, I, I did I did get a mechanical. I, well, the, the circuit it, it's uh it's funny. It was the the circuit was a uh, it was on a a twenty kilometer climb, and so <laughs> and the finish line was in the middle of that going up. And so, and then it was just going, it was uh, just going up, turning around. It was like on a highway. It's going up, turn around, and then go down 20 kilometers, and then turn around and go back up. And so the first time on the way down, I got my chain stuck because in that in that in that 180 degree turn at the bottom, uh, you have to get in the little ring because you're going you're going um, over 100 kilometers an hour down, and then you have to turn around with the little ring go up. And, uh, man, I got my, uh, I got my chain stuck. I had to get off my bike and get my chain out of there. So I actually ended up chasing the whole time after that. Um, so yeah, I finished like 84th. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sounds like a really interesting course, man. (laughs) Just what you go, what you go up, you've got to come down, huh? I mean, that's it. I mean, it's, you're either going down or you're going up. Yeah. It was an interesting course. So what? Okay, what was next for you after Worlds? I mean, so now we're we're kind of. I mean, you've you've gone to Worlds, so you've got that kind of pedigree. You're riding at that kind of level. So how did the rest of it kind of play out? Like, what were the moves that were made after that? Yeah. So after that, um, after that, I mean, Worlds Junior Worlds in '94 was uh, was actually it's it's weird because it was before the national championships. So we actually flew from Worlds straight to the national championships, and then we got we all got our butt kicks there because we were we were just fried. And then, um, so then the next year after that, I wasn't, I wasn't junior anymore. Um, so I just kind of did that year. Um, I was still part of the national team. And so, you know, I went to some races with them, you know, as first year, first year, uh, senior. And then, uh, it was in 96 when we started doing was, I think it was the first year where they had the, uh, Espoir category, the under 23. Um, so then I was a part of that. Or maybe it was a transition year because then we had um, the national team. We had a bunch of the races we did. There were three of us that were 19 to 20, 23 years old, and then we had the other the other part of the team that was uh, older older guys. And so yeah, we did a bunch of races there, and uh, and so yeah, and so that was actually the key year that 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 helped me turn professional because um, I had a teammate on the U.S. national team, uh, Levi Lightheimer went off that later on that year to turn pro with Saturn. And then um, in 97, I went to France to race for an, um, an elite French team over there. And so I was just doing that. I was just racing in France and racing with the national team when, uh, when they would come over there in 97. 
And then um, I came home from from France in the middle of, let's see, I'm getting the years mixed up, but it, it was uh, the middle of 97, 98, I think. And um, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm flipping out. I should have written, wrote this down before, before um, the interview. But no, it was, uh, I rode for the French team in 97, 98. So it was in, in, in between 98 and 99. When uh, Saturn called me, uh, Rene Wenzel on Saturn, call, Saturn called me, and uh, he wanted me to ride for them. And it was uh, Levi Leipheimer that actually suggested me. Um, so that was that made me real happy. And so yeah, so that, that, that's that's how I actually turned pro, thanks to uh, Levi. Uh, he uh, he he was talking good good about me on the uh, on Saturn. So um, so that's how I turned pro. Yeah. Um, so. You know, you're doing national team stuff, and you guys are racing, you know, out, out of the United States. You know, you guys are jumping across the pond, racing in Europe. You go do worlds in Ecuador. Um, what was the what was the mindset behind you going and riding for a French team? Um, because, you know, this is, I guess it's more common now maybe for people to be looking across the pond and saying, hey, that's where I need to go. But, you know in those times it was, it was something that you knew you, you knew would be good for you. But at the same time, a lot of people weren't doing it. If, if I'm correct, right. It was kind of a, Oh, there's an American wanting to come over here and ride for this team. We'll, you know, we'll see. I mean, what was the, what was the attitude? Yeah. I mean, talk about this. What was your mindset going over there? And then how were you received over there? Once you were over there being an American, right. Um, in a sport that, you know, I mean, Dude, France, right? Like really rich cycling tradition. I mean, Europe, just really rich cycling tradition. And then it's like, oh, there's Americans over there and they're trying to do this cycling thing, right? I mean, am I am I accurate in saying that? Or I mean, give us a little insight into that. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could write. I could probably write a book about that year. Um, they, uh, <laughs> all right, so they pick us up at the airport because it was uh, the two of us Americans going over there. And the reason I got a ride on this on this team was because I had a, a teammate on the, on the national team, uh, Brent Alkitz, that uh, rode for them in '96, and uh, he was getting bored out of his mind over there. He wanted another American, so he talked he talked <laughs> the team into getting uh, getting another American over there. So he asked he asked me to to join him, and so uh, so yeah, so we, we show up we show up in February of. No, it wasn't February. We did Redlands first. We did Redlands, yeah, in um, California first, and then we went over, and um, so it was March of uh, '97. Yeah, so <laughs> I didn't speak French. I mean, I, was, <laughs> I, I can I can understand with some of their uh, body language and everything, and, and so they they pick us up and they're already talking about how fat we are, and <laughs> <laughs> and so I mean I, I didn't care. You know, just whatever. Yeah, I just made sure I won the first race. I did, and I didn't. I did do that. Um, <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> and uh, and so I mean, it was it was good. I mean, it was it was funny. Um, but I mean, a, a lot of their, I mean, for them, Americans are are these these fat people that only eat at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, it was it was crazy. Uh, after a race. I'd have to put on I mean, even if it was summertime, hot there, whatever. I'd have to put on my uh, my sweats and just sit in the car, you know, with the windows closed and just sit there and sweat because I was so fat, you know. Um, 
And then, uh, and every time that our, we'd drive by, uh, um, you know, there's McDonald's over there too. And every time we'd drive by, he would say, he'd, he'd look back at me and say, Seth. And he'd point at McDonald's. He said, no. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was an interesting experience, but, uh, I had, I had a good time. I had lots of good times there too. So it sounds like you said, you know, I wanted to make sure I won my first race out there, uh, and I did. It sounds to me like you you kind of turned a negative into a positive, right? Like you're going, all right, you know, these guys are saying I'm overweight, you know, and, and they're and they're looking at me probably as, you know, not as maybe not as capable of them uh, as as them of of riding well in these kind of races over in Europe. So it sounds to me like you kind of used it as motivation to say I, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you guys that. That we that we can, you know, me and and I'm speaking for other Americans, like we can come over here and we can be successful. I mean, is that what you, is that what you were kind of thinking? Yes and no. I mean, I I didn't I didn't care that he was calling us fat, um, and that that wasn't my motivation to win the race. My you know my motivation before he he called me fat was to win the race. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. So you go over there and you ride for this French team and then all of a sudden it's like you get a phone call and you can come race back in, in the United States. I mean, were you excited for that opportunity to come back? Yeah, to ride with Saturn? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Saturn, you know, in the, in the 90s, I mean, that was like that was like my, my dream team, you know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that, that was, uh, that was a, a deal that I couldn't say no to, definitely. Yeah, I looked it up. I looked up the team you rode for, and I looked at some of those names, and I'm like, whoa, this is this is big time. I mean, Saturn was uh, it, it was the best team in the country at the time, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. You guys were the best. What did you learn? Like, so you're talking about guys like Levi Leipheimer. We know Levi Leipheimer, just an incredible rider, right? Went on to you know have success at the tour and stuff like that, but. What what did you learn from your experience there um, on that team? What were some of the cool takeaways that you took with you from being there with such a high caliber roster and you know direction? Yeah, I, I learned a bunch of things, man. What, what I really liked about Saturn though is the um, how tightly knit we were. Um, I, I really liked the program they had because. In January, even before starting, you know, we would do uh, we we'd go to camps and do exercises. It had nothing to do with nothing to do with cycling, but it had things to do with teamwork. You know, it was just to to get us tightly knit before the season started. And I mean, they were like you know outdoor stuff, you know, like climbing stuff, uh, standing on logs. I mean, just games they put together for us to do that we had to accomplish together. You know, it wasn't one winner. We we had to win it together for it to work and so i mean that, that, that was the biggest thing that i liked about saturn just just the uh the the, the teamwork you know everyone, everyone's looking out for everybody actually what i like about saturn even even before talking about cycling yeah yeah from a from a mindset perspective or a psychology perspective or a team dynamics perspective or whatever you want to call it that you know the, the scientific name for it i mean there's so there is very much so a real team cohesion kind of group dynamic type of a of a thing that can go on right and it's you know uh, when you're on a professional team guys are getting paid money and it's like hey you know we're we're paying you money uh, your job is to go back to the car and make sure that Levi's got bottles right and it's like all right ten four you know I mean you're paying me and you're the boss you're the director sportif so I, I'm absolutely going to go back to the car and go get those bottles and 
I'll make sure that Levi's got bottles, right? But if you've done some of this team dynamic stuff, if you guys have sat around at dinner tables and actually had good, genuine conversation and, you know, you've shared hotel rooms and you guys genuinely like each other, then, you know, you're still going to say, you know, to your director sportif, I'm going to go back and get bottles, but you're going to do the best darn job getting bottles for Levi that you've ever done in your life. Right. So you just, you give a little bit more, you know, it's like, Oh, Hey, we need you guys to get on the front, you know, and chase down that breakaway. You know, we're going to set it up for our sprinter. And it's like, okay, you know, you're signing my paycheck. So I'm going to do that, you know? Uh, but you know, the sprinter, I mean, he's an okay guy. I don't really, you know, I don't really feel like I know him very well. Uh, you know, I don't maybe like him, you know, as much as I like some of the other guys on the team. So I'm going to get on the front. I'm going to do my job because you're signing my paycheck. But, uh, you know, we're, we're that, that's all we're here for versus like, oh dude, I, I love the sprinter on his team and he's such a nice guy. You know, I mean, he just, he, he gets to know us, you know, we're more than just his worker bees. I mean, you get on the front and you pull till you can't breathe anymore, right? So, yeah, I think the successful teams, uh, and, you know, Saturn was definitely one of them because it's more than just having a talented roster. It's more than just saying, hey, look, we've got all these guys on our team and they're really, really good. I mean, we can look at so many examples in sports where it's like stats-wise, you're looking at a team going – uh, yeah, that team would definitely, you know, wipe the floor with anybody. And then they actually have the competition. They actually do the race or whatever. And the team's not very, they're not very effective. They're not very successful. And then you start hearing stories of, well, they, they just don't, they don't get along. I mean, yeah, they're great athletes, but when you put them all in a room, they want to punch each other in the face versus like sit down and hang out. You know, that's really, really neat that Saturn understood that because I think that's important for successful teams, right? It's, you can't just bring guys on and expect it to go well. You've actually got to put intentional time into making sure that everybody actually gets along and likes each other. And, hey, we're all professionals. And, yeah, we're going to perform our duties. But when the when it's all said and done, you know, we can also enjoy having a beer together, too. That's really important, right? Yeah. From Saturn, you jumped you, – you did some time with the Belgian team, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Now, that was uh... – that was quite an experience too. Saturn offered me another contract for 2001, but I wanted to go back to Europe. I wanted to. That's that's where the biggest races are, and so I got this this little Division Two team to to sign me up. Uh, it was called a the team doesn't exist anymore. I think they're pretty sure they're still a team, but in the amateur divisions and not in the professional anymore. It was called Flanders Prefetex. I mean, that it was a great experience for me. I mean, we did uh, did Het Volk, we did uh, Ghent Wevel again, we did the E E3 Harold Becker. I mean, we did all all the classics. I mean, it was great. Now, I, I don't have a whole lot of results from that year, but I, I got a lot of experience from that year, and that that helped me get on the the team for the world as well. So, um, don't don't have any regrets from that. So. I got a, I got a couple questions. There's a lot to talk about there. The the first thing was this. So you were when you did the when you did the uh, the, the year with the French team, right? You were like, man, I just got a contract with Saturn, dude. That's my dream team. I'm going. I'm out of here, right? You jump you jump back across the pond, come back to the good old U.S. of A. Race with Saturn, right? You got Levi on there. Good deal. Doesn't say. It sounds like you really like the team, right? But all of a sudden you got the itch and you're like, dude. I want to I want to get back to Europe. Like, what was it that changed that wanted you to go back over there? Because it doesn't sound like you were dissatisfied with Saturn, right? I mean, it sounds like it was a great team, but all of a sudden, your kind of focus shifted a little bit, right? Was it was it literally what you just said that you just I want a chance to go do the biggest races in the world, and so I need to go over there? Was that is that basically how it played out? Yeah, yeah, and 
I mean, if if I had to do it over again, I, I would have stayed in the states. Uh, you know, at, at least a couple more years just to get a little older. I mean, I was 22 and 23 years old when I was Saturn, and then I rode for uh, Flanders when I was 24, and then and then I quit. So um, yeah, if I had to do it over again, I would have I would have stayed with Saturn a little bit longer. Yeah, might have worked out a little bit better for me. I mean, I'm not looking back now. I'm just thinking about maybe you know I was on a great team. I was on a I was on a better team than than one in in Belgium that I rode for. Just not doing the same races. Yeah, I guess I haven't been paying very much attention. You were 24 years old and doing E3 and Omloop and Ghent Webblegem at 24 years old. That's like pretty that's that's really young to be doing that right you know by today's standards i mean there's there's very few 24 year olds i think that take those kinds of races on you know in today's peloton talk to me about because this is interesting and i want to get your perspective on this so you're over here racing for saturn and you're doing racing in the states and then you jump over there and do the racing you know you do the year in belgium right and and now you've got quite a bit of experience in terms of just You've been on the team in France, so you got some experience with some racing there, and then you've been on the national team, so you've done a pretty good amount of racing in Europe, and then you did a pretty good amount of racing in the United States. Can you talk to us about the difference between those two, like the difference between you know, the racing in the United States versus the racing in Europe? Yeah. A lot of people say that racing in Europe is is harder. You know, They, they say it's a little bit slower in the, in the U.S., but that's not true. I, I find it just as difficult in the U.S. as it is in the in, in Europe. Now, what are the differences? Maybe there's, I think that maybe the difference is, is there's there's more teams in uh, in Europe that, that kind of dice it up a little bit more than what we we had, at least, in the U.S. when I was racing for Saturn. Because uh, with Saturn, it was pretty much our big rival was Mercury. So it was, uh, it was Saturn against Mercury. But then, you know, you, you had other teams that, you know, you couldn't, you had to keep an eye out on too, Navigators and Shackley and I mean there were a few others, but our big rival was was uh, was Mercury, and so kind of turned races sometimes into you know just rivalry races instead of uh, instead of like like in Europe you've got a bunch of different teams in there, and so yeah it's, you know you can't just look at one team there's uh, there's a bunch of things going on at, at the same time. Yeah, E3, Omloop, and Ghent Webblegem. Which one was your favorite? <laughs> Which one was your least favorite? Give me give me your favorite one of the three, and then give me your least favorite one of the three, and then tell us why. Well, my favorite was probably getting Webblegem, just because I actually finished that one. I might not have been uh, in the results, but I did finish it. I mean, they're all all those all those classics. I mean, they're all pretty much the same. It's 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 uh it's crazy. They all pretty much use the same roads. They just zigzag around them and you know a little bit differently. So yeah, they're all windy. They're all pave windy rainy cold they're all pretty much the same yeah it's great <laughs> that that doesn't sound like a good time to me i mean i've seen those on television and uh you're right the conditions are usually atrocious and yeah i mean some of those races are like the real start to the classic season right so i mean you know back when you were racing they didn't have all these races in the middle east like the tour of qatar and they didn't have the tour down under in australia so it literally was all these guys are just training and we're going to drop the flag at uh, Omloop, right? I think it was, which is the first one. And it's like, th- this is the one that everybody's just been caged up waiting to do, right? So I can imagine that you guys just, it's like you guys get shot out of a cannon. It's like, 
I finally get to go out and race, you know, after, you know, training for such a long time. You did those races and then you said you, you said you quit or, or you, you stopped racing, right? So that was the end of that last year in Belgium. That was the end of your professional career? Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Um, I did the world championships in Lisbon and yeah, that was my last race. I was trying to get on a, a division one team and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had some things going and they didn't work out. And so, yeah, I mean, I just called it, called it quits there. So, yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I had, I had some team issues, you know, changing teams that, that uh, were scheduled and didn't, didn't pan out after, after Worlds. And then, uh, and then also, I mean, since I didn't pan out, my, um, my wife and I wanted to start a family too. So I'm like, well, let me do something else. Okay. So at this point, you're married. Yeah. Okay. And so, like you said, right, it's like, I've got something to do after cycling, and I guess that was the time to begin getting getting working on that, huh? Yeah, that was it. That was it. Yeah. Cool. cool. Well, let's let's fast forward quite a bit. Uh, you're now where, where whereabouts are you living now? I know you're back in Texas because I see you pretty much every week at the local crit in Fort Worth, but you're back in Texas, right? And you're three kids in, about to be four, right? Your wife is expecting. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we're on the way other side now of professional, you know, cycling. Uh, but you're get, but you're getting back into it. So talk to us a little bit because this is cool, right? This is a, a, an athlete that has been professional, right? And you've been like at the highest level of the sport. I mean, you've done some of the world's biggest races. You've done, man, you've done two world championships, right? I mean, it doesn't really get much bigger than that. And here you are, you're you're coming back. I mean, you're starting to ride the bike. I, I've seen you racing. Like I said, by the way, I've been watching you at the weekly crit. I mean, you're getting your form back really fast because there's a lot of kilometers in those legs. And I know before too long, I'm gonna have my hands full with you. But um, <laughs> so talk talk to me talk to me about like what it, what does it take to to come back? I mean, you know, it seems like you're enjoying it and you're having a good time, right? And so you took some time off, and now it's time to you know you're you're training again or, or, you know, what, where are you at right now? Yeah. Well, I, I've been keeping fit, uh, fighting Muay Thai. And so, uh, th that's been keeping me fit, but not, not cycling fit. And so in February, my, my oldest son, Paolo, he just told me kind of out of the blue, he says, Hey, I, I want to race bikes. <laughs> so, so I look at him, I say, all right, well, let's, let's both get a license. It's easy to do now. You just, I mean, go on the internet, go on their website and you, you get a license. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, it's done. Um, so we, we both got a license and I mean, he was, he's been on the, on the school, uh, track and cross country team. So, I mean, he's fit, you know, just not, not been riding a bike regularly anyway, but you know, running fit anyway. So it didn't take him long, very long to, to get in, in the sink. And I came back in because of my, my son that wanted to race. Yeah. You know the road, right? I mean, you've been on the road, and you know the road that you took, right, to get there. What are you trying to instill in your son as he begins to race? What are you trying to help him kind of not not make maybe some of the mistakes that maybe you're looking at that you're thinking, you know, that you made? Like, what what is some of the what are some of the things that you're trying to kind of make sure that he gets a hold of, and some of the things that you're trying to make sure that he steers clear of? Well, right now it's real early. I mean, that was, you know, that was just a, a, a few months ago. We actually both started, um, or I restarted with him. I'm, I'm trying not to push him too hard because I don't want him to. I don't want to get you know get fed up with it. I guess my goal right now for him is to uh, you know kind of make it as a um, cycling as a uh, a lifetime hobby for him because it is a great sport. 
Um, and then, I mean, we'll see later on this year, next year, the year after, if he's interested in, you know, making it a career, you know, then we might have to uh, change speeds a little bit. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's probably not the same exact circumstances and situation as, as what you went through, right? But it, it sounds like it's kind of one of those, like, I'm j- he's just doing it right now and we're, we're just kind of doing it and uh we don't really know i mean like you said you're like i don't really know why i really got into it i just kind of did and all of a sudden i saw it as a challenge and um you know and i've been seeing him at the races and i know that he is challenging himself and he is pushing himself but he's doing it on his own right he's doing it on his own terms which is super important so yeah we'll uh we'll have to we'll have to keep an eye out uh for him you know and, and kind of help him along i know that you know, you, he's got a good community around that will hopefully help him and, and get him kind of on the right track and around the right people uh, to just allow him to make his own decisions, right? And allow him to kind of take the sport wherever he wants to take it if he chooses to do that, right? So super cool. And I, by the way, and, and as an aside, I, I didn't know you were into Mutai, right? So now I understand you're, you didn't totally let the bottom fall out. You've been staying fit. So you're, uh, you're not you didn't start from ground zero again um but uh but you're definitely you know you're definitely getting your legs back underneath you and uh it's been it's been fun to see so uh i'm glad that uh, our paths crossed and you know andy hollinger over at the local crit was like do you know who that is and i said no and then he said your name and i was like that name that name sounds familiar though i said i think i've heard that name before because i'm a little bit of a historian and i like to study cycling and stuff and, okay um so anyhow man I, I i mean i appreciate you giving up some of your time to be on the podcast and i hope that some of the some of the folks on here you know enjoyed some of the stories and and grabbed some of the wisdom that you uh, that you had to share with us and just uh just really really neat to hear um you know uh, of somebody that really and truly i mean you were you know one of the early early birds early guys kind of getting over to europe and and really just sinking your teeth in out there and now we've got a lot of Americans over there racing. I mean, we've got guys living over there all the time and, and doing all that. So it's really, really neat. And uh, I'm sure that part of it is owed to, to guys like you that just said, we need to get over there. You know, I mean, this is where the action is at. Um, so really, really neat, man. So Seth, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, thank you. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah, good deal, man. Well, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch and we'll be seeing each other around at the local crit. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Take care.